Hi there, this is Jacob Msipa, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today. And I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message and God bless you. Now, God's desire um, is for us to live good lives. Uh, And not only that, but his desire is also for us to fulfill his purpose here on earth. Are we here? It was never God's desire for us to live terrible lives, horrible lives, bad lives. It was never God's intention. Uh, uh, Or or live, um, you know, our lives experiencing defeat and failure. Uh, You know, experiencing failed projects and, you know, living bad lives, horrible lives. That was never in the plan of God and it is not in the plan of God for us. Are we here? So everything that we do, everything that we become part of, God uh, intended for us to thrive in it, to prosper in it. Are we here? Yeah. Amen. Ephesians 2 verse number 10 says, um, and, and this is now in, in the amplified um, version, the classic amplified version. It says, for we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, talking about our salvation and new birth experience, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, right? That is his purpose, living his purpose, fulfilling his purpose. So he said, the reason why we are born again the reason why we are saved, it is so that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us. And then it says, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. So you, you, do you realize that we are not an afterthought? God did not, you know, try to figure things out for us when we landed here on earth. So when I was born, uh, 1978, the 16th of April, God did not call uh, a meeting in heaven and be like, oh, there's this guy who just landed now in South Africa, in Delmas, 813 Villagazi Street. What can we put together quickly? No. Before I was even, that's why he says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, he says. And then he says, I have ordained you a prophet. So in other words, by the time I am born, you know, already God has a full plan for my life. And his desire is for me to fulfill it. There's a particular kind of life. And here's how I always look at it. Because Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. I know the plans that I have for you. He says plans to prosper you. Another translation says to give you an expected end. So here's how I look at it. God cannot sit in heaven, think and plan a life. (laughs) that he is going to just simply allow it to just be destructive. And God cannot sit and plan my life so that I can come and live and be poor till I die, suffer till I die. Why would God sit in heaven, plan beforehand, 
distraction and say, I'm just going to uh, uh, allow for Tati to be born in South Africa and my aim and my plan is just for her to come and suffer. God can't do that. And this is where many of us as Christians, we are supposed to be delivered from any idea, any thought that suggests that I am here to suffer. And this is, this is God's will for my life. And, and you know that one of the reasons why I said this is quite a difficult message to preach in church, it is because no matter how many times you say that, Many people don't believe. Like it's like many people are so deep in um, suffering and poverty to a point that have you ever suffered until you believed that this is just my portion? You're like, well, it is what it is. I just have to accept uh, that things are going to be like this, and 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 and. and here, the Bible shows us that one of the reasons why we are born again, it is so that God can open our eyes and so that we can see and know the good plans that, that he has for us. I love it when the Bible says in, in, in 1 Corinthians 2 this time, it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no is it entered into our hearts what God has prepared for us, right? And it says, but he reveals everything by his spirit. So in other words, we, we can live our lives not knowing that there is a good life that is waiting for us, but it can only take the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, to bring it to our attention. So in other words, there's always a conversation happening in heaven about your life. And only the Holy Spirit can reveal it to you. So these plans are sitting in the mind of God. And the Holy Spirit stands in the gap and he says, hey, this is what God has planned and has decided about your life. And it's up to us whether we want to believe it or not. But here's what the rest of the scripture says. It says, so there are paths that God has prepared for us, right? And then it says that we should walk in them Living the, the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. So that is the kind of life that God wants us to live. And, and the Bible calls it a good life. Man, if this can sink in. The, the Bible says there are paths that he has set for us so that we can walk in them. But as we walk in them to live. That good life that God set down and prepared and, and decided this is how Jacob is going. And my assignment is to discover what kind of life God wanted me to live. And the Bible says he prearranged it, prearranged it and made it ready. Made it ready so that by the time I land here on earth, I'm just going to live that kind of life. And here's what I want us to declare upon our lives. And I would like for us to say it after me. God wants me to live a good life and live to fulfill his purpose. Let's, let's say it one more time. God wants me 
to live a good life and to live to fulfill his purpose. And, and uh, it is my prayer that every day as you wake up, you can bring this to your mind. Look at yourself and say to yourself, God wants me to live a good life. God wants me to, especially if you are tasting anything contrary to that. Go back and remind yourself that it does not matter what I'm experiencing right now, but that is not what God planned for me. God wants me, but I'm the first person who is supposed to be convinced of that fact. And that's why I'm saying in many, many believers, many Christians, we can speak in other tongues and fail to believe that God wants me to live a good life. And as soon as that sinks in, the way that you, you plan and do things will change. Because every decision I make needs to line up with that. In other words, I'm not going to sign up with anything that is going to compromise the quality of life that God wants me to have. Because God wants me to live a good life. And, you know, it doesn't matter where you are, <laughs> where you find yourself. It doesn't matter where you were born, under which circumstances did you grow up. It does not matter. Yes. You are here. And what you need to know is that your God, yes. your God who has fearfully and wonderfully made you, yes. your God who formed you in your mother's womb, yes. knitted you together. Your God, who knows the number of your hair, your God wants you to live a good life. And every day, it does not matter what happens. Just remind yourself of that fact. As a matter of fact, as, as you pray, and, that's, that, and, and, and that is what I do every day when I pray, when I thank God, because that's how I begin my prayer. I start by thanking God. And one of the things that I thank God for is the kind of life that he has given me. I'm like, God, thank you for the good life that you have prepared for me, prearranged for me. Thank you for this gift. God cannot give us horrible gifts. And life is a gift. But we, we have got to be convinced and believe and let it sink in. Let it become my mindset because unless, unless I believe it, Unless I am convinced of it, I'm not going to experience it. Because the Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. So it does not matter how much I can pray in tongues or whatever, but if there's a stronghold here that says I am here to suffer, I'm going to suffer until Jesus returns. That's why one of the key things that the Bible teaches us about prayer it says, we, we, it says, even though we walk in the flesh, but we do not walk according to the flesh, that is. But it says, our, our weapons are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting out of imaginations, because one of the things that the enemy knows how to do, it is to plant a thought that you are going to own. And as soon as you own it, it does not have to do anything else. Because that stronghold is going to create thought patterns that each time you're supposed to experience a breakthrough, your thinking mechanism is going to say to you, back to default. 
Let me explain it this way. This room now is air-conditioned, right? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. In this campus and Pinoni. Yeah, you know, the main campus, Delmas, does not have air conditioning in the, in the, in the, yeah. <laughs> anyway, this room is air conditioned. So when we came here, it was not, um, um, it was not on, right? And when we switch it on, the first thing that it does is that it will, it will first detect the room temperature. And it will depend on, you know, maybe we set it on 18 degrees. And if the room temperature at that point is 24, so the air conditioner is going to kick in and begin to work on the temperature of the room, right? Maybe finds it at 24. And then it will, it will just release that cool air. And then the temperature will begin to drop, right? As soon as it hits 18, that thing has what? Uh, so there's, there's what we call a thermostat. And there's what we call a thermometer. A thermometer just reads the temperature. But a thermostat, it, it reads the temperature and then it kicks in, depending on what temperature do you need in the room. So it will kick in to regulate the temperature, to say you can't go below this or above this. We just need to stay at 18. So that's why sometimes in your car you will get confused. Uh, you, will, you will, you know, turn on the aircon uh, full blast and expect it to just kick in immediately. And sometimes it will do the opposite because it starts by reading the temperature and uh, and then align itself with what you, you want uh, uh, to achieve at the end of the day. Now, many of us, we live our lives with that kind of a thermostat in our lives, where when, when you want to go beyond a certain point, a thermostat kicks in and says, you can't go beyond that. And that is the stronghold that is here. It says, you are not meant to live that kind of life. And we, we then go back to default set, settings. It's like I, uh, each time you want to attempt anything bigger than what you have seen. The thermostat in terms of our mindset kicks in and says, no, I'm going to regulate you at this level. So in other words, it also depends on the environment I grew up in, the kind of money I was exposed to, <laughs> in such a way that once it becomes foreign, I, def I, I just simply go back to default settings. I'm like, I'm not used to this. So if somebody comes and says to you, I'm going to... Uh, give you five million rands tomorrow. It's like you, you will deny it. You like no me five, me. The, and mo in most cases, that's what we say. M who me five? Me. Because we are saying uh, I don't deserve that. It's like that's not that's not my portion. I've never seen that happen uh, uh, to any of my family members. Therefore, I'm not even expecting it to happen in my life. And no matter how much God can scream from heaven and say, I have good plans for you. I want to. But the mindset says, I can't. Yes, because the mindset says, I've lived my life like this. I'm used to it. I've accepted it. This is me. 
This is my life, my family life. My children are probably going to be like this. And, 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 and this is what I like about God. God will always identify somebody in any family who is going to interrupt that cycle. And it takes a lot for you to be the first in a family where God simply, and and this is what I believe with every fiber of my being, salvation plays that role. God steps in, in a poor family, broke down and out and identifies just this one person and, and just says, okay, let's interrupt the cycle. Anything new, anything bigger, anything greater, it is going to start with you. And that's not going to be easy at all. Because you are interrupting something that the enemy has pre-programmed. And this is why it is going to require faith. Because I've never seen it happen in my family. And I've got to visualize something that I did not see. I've got to believe for something that has never taken place. I always tell people this truth. In my family, there was just only a short stint of having a car. My dad owned a car for two months. And I think I must have been about eight years or so. Um, And unfortunately, he was in a car accident. And that was it. All our lives, we had to use taxis. To a point that even up to this day... I have to always be at, I'm not sure if this is going to come out right, at loggerheads with my mom because she doesn't want to drive. She doesn't want a car. uh, And and sometimes I will call her, Mom, where are you? And she will say, no, uh, I'm in Pretoria. I went to my sister's house. And I'm like, how did you get this? How do I use taxis? I'm like, no. (laughs) You can't do that. We have cars. My, me and my sister, we have cars. Just give us a phone call. We will take you there. Yes. But, but a mindset says, I don't mind. Yeah. I've been using taxis all my life. I'm comfortable. I don't, I don't want to bother you. I'm like, no, you're not bothering us. You are my mom. You can't be in a taxi. Like, ah! <laughs> but when I'm talking to my kids now, and I'm dropping them off and I, we, no, we normally bond in the morning. I talk to them and I, t- I, I say to them, you know, one day I, 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 was, I was sharing with them. I said, you know, I had to walk from home to school every day. And they were like, what? <laughs> they were like, what? You walked? I said, yeah, I walked. Yeah. From where? And, and one day, so we went, we were going home. I showed them my school. I said, okay, here's where I did my high school. Then we started driving to go home. And by the time we stopped, I said, that's how far I was walking every day. Yeah. They're like, what? Hey. So, so, so they're saying, so your parents never dropped you off at school? I'm like, I said, we never had a car. And there was another issue. You never had a car? You never had a car? So how did you? I'm like, no, we, we were using taxis. They were like, Oh my goodness, oh dad, every time you wanted to go to Springs or, or to the movies, I'm like, whoa, don't even talk about the movies. There was no movies in the equation. What are you talking about? Movies. 
they were so traumatized because it's a foreign concept to them that there is no way that you can survive as a family without a car. It's like, that was luxury. I said, uh, and then I, I, I tortured them. I said, we never had TV. And then I tortured them further. I said, we never had electricity. They were like, ah, no, dad, now, now. And that is like, that's cap. <laughs> that's cap. <laughs> dad, now you're capping. I'm like, ain't no cap. <laughs> so, so I tried my level best chain to, to, to be. But, but here's the... <laughs> Shame, they were so tortured. That day, they were so sorrowful. They, they, uh, yeah, well. (laughs) But they are fine now. They understand what I'm talking about. Because as they grow up, they get exposed to the realities of life. Amen. Amen. But there is something that the world they are living in, there is something that is happening here. Because my level of thinking, I had to fight. <laughs> I, had to, I had to fight. I had to fight. Because like I always tell you, you don't understand. See, if you've never been to Delmas, you will never hear me. One day when you come and see where I was born and where I grew up, you'll realize what I'm talking about. I grew up in a town that had no restaurant. No KFC, nothing. No KFC, no chicken licking, no spare, nothing. We only had spare for the first time in Delmas when I was working. Yeah. Yeah. The first time we said, oh, we can now go to a restaurant. Then we had Wimpy, then we had KFC. Now it's like, wow. But all of these years, the concept of going to eat in a restaurant was foreign, unknown. It's like, why? Why waste money? We can, I mean, there's bread, there's, there's pap at home. So, so you need to understand what my wife had to go through. Getting married to somebody like me. Like, and coming from a big city like, she was tormented for the first few years or so, she was tortured by this guy who like, um, I was not interested in anything. Go out for what? For who? Why? Uh, Go sit in a restaurant and pay over a thousand rands just for the two of us. That's like we can buy groceries for the whole month. You see what the poverty mentality does? You see, because the life says, God says, I want to improve your life. The mindset says, I'm good. I'm, I'm not going to sit in a restaurant and pay a th- more than a thousand rands. So that's a waste of money. It's like we can buy groceries there. That will last us for the whole month. Back then, our groceries, 500 rands, as a matter of fact, in like including meat and all of that, 500 rands was enough. So now you want us to go out, spend petrol money, because remember, I'm living in Telma. She doesn't want to, K- to go to KFC. She doesn't want to go to Wimpy. She doesn't want to go to Spare. Now it means we have to drive and go. Yeah, it's not a, to you, it's not a restaurant. To me, it's a restaurant. I went out. Oh, 
I, I bought, I bought, I bought I mean, streetwise too. That's an achievement. Say, God wants me to live a good life. You guys are corrupting me. I need to finish. Now, take note. In as, far, in as much as God wants us to live a good life, money plays a crucial role in this. Because the reality is money facilitates that good life that we are supposed to live. And money helps us to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. There is a role that money plays. Hey, and that's a game changer. That's a game changer. Listen to what, maybe let's take it to the Bible. Hear, hear what the Bible says. Because you can say to me, no, Mfundisi, you can't, you can't say that. You're, now you are being carnal. But here's what the Bible says. It says, Ecclesiastes 10 verse 19, the second part of it. Money answers everything. This is, this is now in the Bible. In other words, there are certain questions of life that only money can answer. Babam Zimela used to say uh, to us, It's like you will realize. Have you ever like found yourself distressed in the morning? Like, you, you are sorrowful. But as soon as that SMS came in, it's almost like all your problems ended that day. The pain that you thought you had, the stress that you thought, you, it's like there is a shift all of a sudden. It's like this body automatically responds to this SMS. I'm not sure, but there's power in that SMS that lets you know that your bank balance has just improved. Yeah! That's the reality of life, and the Bible acknowledges it, that there are some of the challenges of life that it will take money to resolve them. Not, not prayer, not, any, not fasting on a mountain, like money. It's like money. Somebody once said, you know, they, they are, he says there's a, there's a level called magnification. It's like once you get there, it's almost like, you know, you are just cruising nicely, you know. Because money has that element of answering or responding to challenges of life. Are we here, Bezalon? And, and, and secondly, again, it says in Ecclesiastes chapter number 7, verse 12, uh, it says, the first part of it, for wisdom is a defense as money is a defense. There are many people today who are serving sentences in jail simply because they did not have money to employ a good attorney to go and, uh, and defend them before that. So it does not matter how innocent you are. There are certain things that money will defend you from and protect you from. And, 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 and I want us to follow me very carefully, Barcelona, because I don't, want, I don't want us to walk out of this place and misunderstand one another. But here's the first thought that I want to leave with you is that, is that money plays a big role in facilitating the good life that God wants us to live, right? And money plays a big role in helping us to fulfill the plans and the purposes. Like, like for an example, we knew it was God's will for us to start a campus yes. in Hillcrest. Yes. 
But it was not going to happen until there was money. Like for us to open these doors <laughs> and say we are going to start this work. The, 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 the owners of this property did not care about our prayers. They did not care about you know, the fact that I've been a pastor for over 15 years. All that they wanted, the only language they could understand, how much money do you have in your bank account? Will you be able to afford to have this place. And at that point, the place is empty. Yeah. There's no one. Yeah. It was just us, no mama kwaza, no tabile, no tando, just a few who had a meeting with them. We came to see the place. They were showing us the place. And, and after that, they were like, good, if you can show us the money, we can give you the place. <laughs> because money answers everything. That's what the Bible says. Money is a defense. It's like, it, it, at that point, money spoke for us. They, they did not care about the fact that we were few. Yeah. All they wanted to know is that, can you pay? <laughs> Don't tell us you are still going to pray. Can you pay <laughs> at this particular juncture? <laughs> because, and, and we need to appreciate the fact that the Bible does not overlook the role money plays in this world. Instead, it makes us aware of it. Yeah. The Bible, it is the Bible that says money answers everything. It is the Bible that says money is a defense. It is the Bible that says that. So in other words, the Bible was simply saying, it was God saying to us, don't be naive to think that money is not important. And if as a Christian, you are going to live your life and think that you don't need money. Even God himself is embarrassed in heaven. It's like you don't understand. It's like you, you are embarrassing me you, you, because everything, everything, the chair we are sitting on, money. Clothes we are wearing, money. Food we ate this morning, money. The car we drove, money. The petrol we used, money. After the service, we're probably all going to eat. That's money. You are going to sleep at night. It costs to sleep. The reason why people are sleeping on the streets, it is because there's no money that can facilitate them sleeping comfortably. Sleeping, just sleeping. Just sleeping. I read another post of another man who was sick. I think he was in his 90s and he needed oxygen because his oxygen levels were low. And he wrote a statement because he kept on crying. When they told him, this is how you are now going to live. You need this. And here's how much it's going to cost you. And, and he started crying. And they thought maybe it's because of the diagnosis. And he said, it's just that I'm realizing that all my life, I lived freely, breathing God's oxygen for free. And all of a sudden, I have to pay for it. All of a sudden, I have to pay for it. Because this is how life operates. The microphone I'm holding, money. The flight I took to come here this morning, money. The car I hired to get to the campus, money. The coffee I drank, money. Everything is money. 
And it's only us Christians who know the value of 100 rands in pick and pay. But all of a sudden, once we step Esundwe, we think, wow, I have a million in my hands. It's like in the hands of Jesus. This is going to multiply. But it's money. The iPad I'm using is money. The table I'm preaching on is money. The Wi-Fi, money. Screens, money. Everything is what? Money. Now, let's lend this thing and, and just so that we can feel comfortable. <laughs> so the, man, the Bible makes us aware of the role that money plays in this world. The only thing that the Bible is against in as far as money is concerned, it is an unhealthy relationship with it. Let me say this up front. In order for you to enjoy your stay in any church, any church, so whether you are from another church or this was your first church or whatever, or you are going to find yourself in another church in the future, let me give you this advice. For you to enjoy your stay in that church, have a healthy relationship with money. Have a a good relationship with money. Because, so that number one, when that word is mentioned, you don't freak out. Yeah. Number two, so that you become wise in how to handle financial issues within the church setting. So that you will know. It's like now, probably when I started preaching, most of us thought, ah, he wants us to give. Probably allow for some way. And that's not, my, it's not, not my intention. My intention is to equip us to be able to handle it properly. Because many things can go wrong at church in as far as money is concerned. You can be manipulated. I always tell people that I don't know where you're coming from, <laughs> what happened or whatever. All that I know is that money in church is for God to use it to build his house. I, I, I don't come from a school of thought that says a money that is given a church is for the pastor. It's not for me. It's not for, in fact, the first time we started the church, we, we, there was no money. <laughs> So I can never choose this topic simply because I want to squeeze something out of you. Instead, I want to help you to know if I dare attempt in the future, you will be well equipped to say, Nangok. Because here's the truth. Many Christians left the faith because of their relationship with money. Manipulation. Because I'm a caller. I always tell people if I am your pastor here, right? And one of the church members comes 
and borrows money from you and you give them. If they don't pay you back, don't come to me. I was not there. You did not even alert me. Because if you came and asked me, I was going to tell you, do not give them. Unless you are not going to be hurt if they don't pay you back. Here's my philosophy in life. Do not borrow anyone money that when they don't pay you back, you are going to be offended. Only give people money that you value your relationship with them more than money. So in my life, there are people that I will never borrow money. It's like if goodwill comes to me and says, Mfundis, uh, please borrow me 10,000. I will never borrow him 10,000. <laughs> never. Instead, I will say, Goodwill, you know, here, move on with your life. Because I value my relationship with him more than money. I don't want money to come in between the relationship that we have. Because the relationship will be messed up because of money. Sorry that I'm not preaching about angels and anointing and the power and the glory of God, but I hope this is just going to help somebody. Because money can... So for you to enjoy your membership at Builders Church, have a good relationship with money. Understand that God gives us money as a resource, and we're supposed to use it accordingly. Right? And do not fall into a trap of being manipulated by anybody. So if any of our staff members here, the, the pastors here, come to you and ask for money, tell them, no, Mfundis has told us. Because even as your pastor, I mean, I'm going to tell you in advance, under no circumstances will I come to you to ask or to borrow money from you. Never. I have friends in my life that I can ask money from. Not church members. My relationship with you is different. I mean, most of we are not friends, aren't it? So it would be very strange for me after the service and just walk up to you and say, uh, so, uh, you, know, you know, in my family, we... we yeah, things are not okay, so I thought maybe if you can just give me 10,000 rands at the end of the month. If I, if I do something like that, run for your life. I feel like I'm, I'm preaching to the right people this morning. Now, let's conclude. Here are five things that I want to leave with you as I close. Just give me 10 minutes and then I'm going to close. Here are five critical matters that must be clear to every believer in as far as money is concerned. Number one, God is the source of wealth and riches. God is the source of wealth and 
riches. So in the parable we have read, Jesus compares himself to this master who called his servants. And the Bible says he gave them money. So who is the source? God is the source. Our master is the source. In the book of Haggai, the Bible says, silver and gold belongs to me. Exclusively, money belongs to God. It does not matter where you find yourself in life. Never make a mistake of thinking that you are the source. Never make a mistake of thinking that your job is the source. Never make a mistake of thinking that your business is the source because you, then this is when we freak out when we lose something that we thought was our source. If you lose the job, then you freak out because you think there is no any other way I can have money if I don't have the job. As we are going to see in just a moment, then we begin to worship the source. We begin to worship the channel that God is using. And forget about the fact that God is the source. When God says silver and gold belongs to me. And here's what I know. I have to expect, I have to expect in my heart that money is my portion. Why? Because it belongs to God. And if it belongs to God, it simply means it is also my inheritance. Because the Bible says we are joint heirs with Christ. So anything that belongs to God also belongs to me. So in other words, I must not be embarrassed by the fact that I am expecting God to bless me financially. Because this is something that he has. I'm not going to expect something from him that he does not have. He has money. The Bible says, silver and gold belongs to me, says the Lord. So all the money that there is. So you can say, no, but it's not the silver and gold, but it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the paper money and whatever, but, but they print it from his trees. So there's no way that you can remove God from the equation of money. And as soon as in your life you, you look at it like that to say God is the owner, it does not matter at this moment, but God owns every time under the sun. He is the source. So fine, maybe you have a job and your job is paying you well. Do not look at your job as the source. Because what are you going to do when they tell you they are retrenching you tomorrow? What will happen when your business closes down? Does that mean your source has dried up? But if I'm saying to myself, fine, for this season, God was using my job as a channel to bring me this money, then I'm safe. That's why even when it comes to Elijah, when the brook, the Bible says when the brook dried up, because that's how he was providing for him in that season. But when he dried up, he said, move from this place, go to that place. There is somebody I have prepared there who is going to take care of you. Because God in different seasons will use different channels. To bring money to you. So never put in the place of God a channel that he is using in that season. That's why today there are many children who are living lives that they don't like. Because they have made, (laughs) I'm sorry to say this. They've made their boyfriend to be their source. So even when they don't want the relationship anymore, they will stay 
Because they think, if I leave him, where am I going to get the shoes? Where am I going to, where am I going to get the Louis Vuitton? Where, where, who's going to take me to Dubai? Because they think the boyfriend is the source. That's why I always challenge the fathers, if you have, if you have a daughter, raise the standard. Take her out to expensive restaurants. Buy everything for, so that there's no one who's going to confuse her with the beggar. Number two, God empowers us so that we can be in a position to produce wealth and riches in our lives. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, and you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. God is the one who empowers us. Number one, he is the source. Number two, how does he get it to us? He empowers us. He will give you a gift, a skill, an ability. He will give you the grace. He will give you the anointing. David puts it this way. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. In other words, you anoint my head. What, what is happening in my head? This is where my ideas come from. This is where my strategies come from. So when that anointing flows, I come up with ideas that will cause my cup to run over. So that's why it says, no matter how, you know, when you find yourself in a place where you are now wealthy, it says, remember the Lord your God, because it is he who gave you that power to produce wealth. So God can empower us to produce wealth and riches. God does not have a problem with that. Number three, I said, I just want to leave you with three matters this morning, right? Number three. Oh, five. Sorry, sorry. I just wanted to check if you are awake. So number three, God remains in control. So no matter what happens, do not let money be your God. Whether it's presence or absence, do not let it be your God. In other words, do not let money determine what you can and cannot have. So in other words, when you don't have enough money for what God has promised you, do not let it have the last say. Because sometimes God is going to promise you things you cannot afford. So that does not mean you are going to look at your bank balance and say, I can't have what God has promised because there's no money for it. But when you are looking at God as the source, in other words, you are going to say to yourself, because he has promised, he is going to make means of making me afford what he has promised, whether through my hands or someone else's hands. I heard a story of another man who was praying each and every day. He was hungry, praying to God every day. Oh, God, I'm hungry. Send me, send me food. Send me groceries. And, and, and the next door neighbor who was an atheist was so irritated by this prayer because it seems as if this prayer was not answered, you know. And this man was praying each and every day. And one day, this man climbed onto the roof. He's an atheist. He puts groceries through the, 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 the roof and he throws it down in the, the, the chimney of the fireplace. And, and, and this... 
this, this guy now starts praising God. He says, oh God, thank you that you have answered my prayer. And then this atheist knocks on his door and he says, oh, you are excited. We are praising God. You are saying your God has answered. And I'm the one who put those groceries down the chimney. And he even praised God the more. And he said, oh God, I thank you that you even used the devil to, pro, to, to provide for me. <laughs> Because God, if he wants to get it to you, he will use anyone who is available. He is going to use anyone who is available. He's going to use anyone who is available. Amen. So God remains in control. And once you have it, so take note. Number one, I said, when you don't have it, do not let it determine what you can have and cannot have. Just believe in what God has promised you. Because most of us, God gives us promises that we cannot afford. He gives us dreams that we cannot afford. He gives us visions that we cannot afford. But God will make means. This, this does not mean God will bypass things and, you know, and, and, and go and rob a bank or something like that. No, he's not going to do that. But he's going to make a way for you to have access to whatever resource you need. But number two, once you have it, do not let it control you. The Bible says in Psalm 62 verse 10, if riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Because in a man la imali, yok tatintlizi yoyako ibe ihambise lawe nongafun utiyakon. So that's why the Bible says if riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Chill, relax, focus on God. Don't let that SMS take you to the mall. When you did not plan to go to the mall. Because, take note of this, money is a good servant, but a bad master. Kuna bantu naturally who are like very laid back and humble. But, but as soon as the bank account increases, they become arrogant overnight. It's like you ask yourself, were they really humble? It means they are arrogant. It's just that poverty was humbling them. But then money came, and all of a sudden they had the power. You're like, oh, can you talk? <laughs> I didn't really know that you can talk. So what if you have it? Don't let it control you, because money has a way of telling you that you are the best thing that has ever happened in life. There are people that, you, by how they carry themselves, you will know that their bank balance has improved. At least I've been a pastor for quite a while. I've seen people who came humble and changed overnight. I'm like, oh, wow. When, when they were looking for that job, they were at every prayer meeting, weeping, oh, Lord. Fundisi, pray with me. And you pray for them. And the job comes. They're like, ha, is this the same person? Like, uh, Ish, you know, I don't have time anymore. Um, I'll see, uh, maybe you won't see me for the next three. And when you check, that it's not because the Basim Sebenzin or anything is because money came. And it is now dictating how they are supposed to live their lives. There, there are people who were always faithful to their wives until money came. It's like, wow. So, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm praying for you, Tando. So, so, when it comes, when you receive it, pray to God. 
and say to God, God, help me. And this is the picture that I always, especially with our uh, banknotes as South Africans, have noticed that all of them have, have animal, animals, wild animals. Wild. I said, if you have all of those animals, you better have somebody who has more power to tame them. Because when they want to take over, they will take over. Money is powerful. Money. <laughs> I've seen people right in front of my eyes that I've known for my whole life to be one way. But as soon as they had money, I was like, wow. And at first I thought they changed. Until I realized, no, they did not. They were just hiding. Because, again, poverty is a way of just... And it's almost like when money comes, it just exposes to say, here's what you were dealing with. Never, never trust anyone in your life until they go through the test of money. The Bible says God himself didn't trust his angels. God. He was with his angels every day. He did not trust them. That's why he says, cast is every man who puts his trust in another man. Don't trust anyone. You see, vouching and say, ah, this one, I know. He's my friend forever. Wait until there's money involved. Wait until there's money involved. Number four, wisdom. God wants us to be wise in as far as money is concerned. He wants us to be wise. Ecclesiastes 7 from verse 11, the message translation. Wisdom is better when it is paired with money. Especially if you get both while you are still living. Double protection, it says. Wisdom and wealth, plus this bonus. Wisdom energizes its owner. So if you have money and you lack wisdom, you are not going to have the energy to control the money. That's why most of Jesus' parables were around the subject of money. Most of his parables. If you study, he was using business concepts, farming, you know, and you, because he wanted people to understand that if you don't have the wisdom to handle money, it will handle you. It will deal with you. And, and this is where the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil because this is when we lack wisdom and when we lack wisdom, money takes over our hearts. And the Bible says because of that, they also strayed from the faith. There are people who leave God because, you know, I love being a pastor because I've enjoyed just watching people all of a sudden disappear until something happens. 
then you see their rededication and commitment. You're like, aha. Now, because God gives us lessons of life for free in advance. If we refuse to listen, he allows life to teach us. He just sends you to the university of life. And life will just say, this is reality. So we have to have wisdom and have money. If you have wisdom alone, the Bible says, the wisdom of a poor man is despised. It's not me, it's the Bible. So we need both money and wisdom. And lastly, God wants us to increase whatever amount of money that he blesses us with. So he gives them 10 minus. He says, go and trade. Take note what he says. Put this money to work. It does not say work for this money. It says put it to work until I come. And when he came back, he expected increase. But our mentality is always consuming whatever that we receive. That's why the Bible says he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So what does that mean? We need to be wise to understand that not every cent I have, it's meant to be squandered. I need to find a way of how can I increase because inflation, the economy is not going to just wait for us to behave as we please. The amount of salary that you are earning today, that is enough for your petrol, your car installment, house, two years from now. Why do you think unions are striking every year? I'm joking. Let's, let's stand on our feet. It's because when they accepted the job, the salary was enough. Yeah. After two years, they realized, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's because we were never wise with using this seed that God has given us to bring increase in our lives. So when God gives me a job so that I can earn a salary, He's empowering me with something that I can use to bring increase in my life. How do I increase it? How do I multiply it? How do I grow it? How do I make it work for me? My first job when I worked, the first thing I thought of was to open a bank, not a bank account, a clothing account. Because I know you guys are born again, you're spirit filled, you, you, are, you are good, you don't have those problems. But when I got my first job, I had an account, got two words, had gas, I had a cell phone, I had a bear. 
Yazi Alcatel. Awazupes. Conifone to Alcatel. Do you know do you know Alcatel? Uh, I went, bought that phone. And my salary shrank overnight. It's like I was like, I thought I was ending. What happened? Because every month things were going off. It's not that I was ending. I thought, I thought this was my bread. Little did I know that God was giving me something to empower me to improve my life. I didn't invest in things that were going to grow me or increase my income or my streams of income. I used it to just consume and consume and consume. That's why today I hate anything that, is, that says account. I don't have any clothing account. We don't, my wife and, and I agreed. We are not going to buy furniture through credit. We are not going to have all of those things because I know how painful it is to realize that I thought I had money. But all of a sudden, I don't have it. We'll continue next week because we have got to be wise when it comes to money matters. Father, we thank you that you are the source. You said in your words, silver and gold belongs to you. And therefore, it is our inheritance. Thank you that it is your will for us to be empowered to generate or to produce wealth. Because every good and perfect gift comes from you. It is your will for us to be empowered financially so that we can be able to live the kind of life that you want us to live. Thank you that, oh God, it is your will to empower us to fulfill your purpose here on earth. In the name of Jesus Christ, to, to be equipped and be able to put money to work for us. Not for us to become servants of silver and gold. Not for us to worship mammon. Because only you deserves that place in our lives. Father, we, we pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ, that the spirit of wisdom may be imparted upon us. Upon each and every one of us, make us wise. Through your word, to be able to, to be good stewards of the kind of wealth that you are entrusting us with. May we not be like the prodigal son who took his inheritance and wasted it. Because you said in your word, time and chance happens to them all. Not only to the rich or to the wise or to the swift, but time and chance happens to all of us. And we know that all of us, you will give us an opportunity to live this good life that you want, you want us to live. I pray that, oh God, as we walk out of this place, we may continue to reflect and meditate upon this word. And so that these principles will be in place in our lives so that we can break and interrupt the cycle of poverty and lack, the cycle of a consumption mentality, and so that we can be in a position to grow everything that you give to us. For it is your will 
it is your desire for us to live good lives. And, and we, we want to live that good life that you have prearranged for us. We want to be able to afford that good life so that it does not become strange to us that you, you want us to have a, a good house, a good car, take our children to good schools, be able to go on holidays and just be able to live that good life. Thank you for the wisdom that you are going to give to us. And it is in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give Jesus. Were you blessed? Hallelujah. Thank you once again for listening to the message today. We trust that you were blessed by it. Please do subscribe to our podcast to receive new messages every week. Thank you very much and keep on building.